Grace and peace to you from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm Nader Mansour and I pray this message will draw you closer to Jesus. In our study, we'll be looking at what the Bible reveals and the principles of understanding God's kingdom, how it works, its ruling principles, and how we can join it. This really is the purpose of our entire series, but we will note in particular today the aspects that relate to the heavenly kingdom. You see, in order for us to be reinstated and in order for us to enter again into this kingdom, we must be re-educated and transformed. There is a battle going on over each and every one of us. In this battle, there are two parties seeking for our allegiance. We must understand what the heavenly kingdom is like. The family of heaven has God at its head. In order for us to understand this, we must pattern our families on earth after the divine model, after the heavenly family, according to the divine revelation that God has given in the word. In looking at the heavenly family, we want to ask ourselves some questions that we will find the answers for in the scriptures. How is it ordered and set up? What rules govern its members? What are the characteristics of the head of the heavenly family, the father? And how can we pattern ourselves after that family and escape the kingdom that Satan has set up. The Bible reveals to us a very important attribute of God. It is recorded in the scriptures in 1 John chapter 4 and verse 16. The Bible there tells us that God is love. You know, if we were to describe God in one word only, this would probably be the most common word used, love. God's kingdom is based on this principle. This is the very nature of God. This is also the nature of the law of God. It's a foundational principle that is so far reaching in its enormity. This is not merely the love of a feeling or an emotion as we understand it. True love is actually a high and holy principle. Love is a principle and it's this principle that actuates God and also rules in his family kingdom in heaven. This has been called into question, and in order for us to understand where we have come from and the loss that we have sustained in being separated from the heavenly family as a result of Satan's lies, we must understand God's character, God's nature, the foundation principles of his kingdom. In James chapter 1 and verse 17, the Bible gives us an indication of what this principle of love means when it's carried out. Let's read the verse. It says, Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above, and cometh down from the Father of lights, with whom is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. You see, God is always and only love. He ever has been and He ever will be. This is a changeless principle in his kingdom. And the love that God is, is not just a theory or an idea. This love is actually a principle that is revealed and expressed in actions. God gives good gifts and he only gives good gifts and perfect gifts because he is a God of love. And this is a changeless aspect of his nature. This is again confirmed for us when we look at the Old Testament book of Malachi chapter 3 and verse 6. The Bible says, For I am the Lord, I change not, therefore ye sons of Jacob are not consumed. God says that he never changes. 
And the fact that God is changeless is why we are not consumed. It is why we are actually still here. It is why we are still preserved. Now the question is, to what purpose are we still preserved? To what purpose are we not consumed? God wants us to learn something about Him. Something that will be key in restoring us back to belonging to the heavenly family. Notice how this purpose is revealed in 2 Peter chapter 3 and verse 9. The Bible says, The Lord is not slack concerning His promise, as some men count slackness, but is long-suffering to us word, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. This is the purpose of God's preserving us. Because He is changeless, we are preserved so that we can come to repentance. The same thought is brought out again in 2 Peter chapter 3 and verse 15. The Bible says, And account that the long-suffering of our Lord is salvation. You see, God is allowing this controversy to continue as a demonstration of His unchanging principles for the purpose of the salvation of many. The reason is that Satan has lied and perpetrated lies against God's kingdom. He has actually deceived the whole world, as the Bible tells us. His lies are the cause of many people misunderstanding God and his family and not realizing the truth of what he is really like. He has lied about God's character and nature. And Satan continues to lie about the principles that motivate and actuate God. Therefore, it is a part of God's plan to show plainly what He really is like, so that we might come to salvation. By demonstrating His principles, and by demonstrating Satan's principles, God is seeking to awaken us to make a choice. And this is why He has preserved us, even though we have fallen. You see, the purpose of this demonstration is so that you can come to God, having seen that His principles are for your good only and always. This is revealed in the scriptures in Romans chapter 2 and verse 4. The Bible says, Or despisest thou the riches of his goodness and forbearance and longsuffering, not knowing that the goodness of God leadeth thee to repentance. What a beautiful testimony. God's long-suffering is for the purpose of leading us to repentance by giving us a demonstration of His goodness. We will look at these principles and their foundation in God's kingdom. We will see how things started, how things were really like in the beginning. And we will also examine the kingdom of Satan and its principles. You see, God is allowing us time in this world so that we might see clearly these principles in action that we might choose intelligently which side, his or the enemy's side. Let's look at Psalm 145, verses 15 and 16, that reveal to us the expression and the demonstration of how God's love operates in a family and how God's love is shed for that family. The Bible says, The eyes of all wait upon thee, and thou givest them their meat in due season. Thou openest thine hand and satisfiest the desire of every living thing. Every manifestation of creative power is an expression of infinite love. It's an expression of God's love. 
The fact that God provides for all his creatures is a demonstration of his nature of love. In his sovereignty and rulership, the fact that God is the king and ruler of the universe, in that fact is involved the fullness of blessing to all created beings. You see, as a ruler of the universe, he bestows fullness of blessing to all his creatures. His great desire as king of the universe is to make his creatures happy. This is an outgrowth of his nature of love. You see, friends, God really is love. This is again clarified in Psalm 89, verses 13 to 18. Strong is thy hand, and high is thy right hand. Righteousness and judgment are the foundation of thy throne. Mercy and truth go before thy face. Blessed is the people that know the joyful sound. They walk, O Lord, in the light of thy countenance. In thy name do they rejoice all the day, and in thy righteousness are they exalted. For thou art the glory of their strength. For our shield belongeth unto Jehovah, and our King to the Holy One. What an infinitely wonderful description of God's sovereignty and rulership over the creatures that He has made. Everything that God does is an expression of love. The creatures of God, living harmoniously in that wonderful family, rejoiced and exalted in the fact that God was their King that God was their ruler, knowing that all these blessings flow to them from God. In Psalm 72, verse 18, the Bible tells us, Blessed be the Lord God, the God of Israel, who only doeth wondrous things. What a wonderful description. The God of Israel only doeth wondrous things. That's because of His character, His character of love. You see, all of God's gifts to man and to the whole universe are for good and only good. Abilities to laugh, to relate to each other, blessings in sun, fruit, trees, the world, life, joy, laughter, and the beauty of things all around us, the colors and the smells, the symmetry of things and nature. All these things are wonderful gifts of infinite love. They are only and always good. And God has given us these gifts in a perfect world as an expression of His love. Before sin entered, the Bible says that everything was very good. This is an illustration of God's love, not just as a theory, but in actual reality. In recognition of this, those who receive these wonderful and bountiful supplies are prompted to return something to God freely. Let's read about it in Revelation chapter 4 and verse 11. The Bible says, Thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power. For Thou hast created all things, and for Thy pleasure they are and were created. Worship and adoration to God naturally stems from a recognition of His bountiful supplies. As a creator, He supplies all things. And as we recognize this, we will naturally develop and we will naturally respond in our heart with gratitude and a deep sense of appreciation and love to Him. You see, this was how the family in heaven operated. This is why the family in heaven was always happy. There was only joy and peace and harmony because the principle of love and God's law of love 
was the ruling principle that governed the joy and happiness of all beings. And this was revealed in the fact that these beings freely returned to God love, adoration, and praise. This is really the true motivation in worship. It cannot be forced because love does not force. You see, in this verse, the Bible tells us that all things were created for God's pleasure. Is this a selfish attribute? Some people are inclined to think that way, largely due to the lies and deceptions that Satan has promulgated in the world. But what does the Bible mean when it says that all things were created for God's pleasure? Let's see the answer from the lips of Jesus himself as confirmation of the same principles that we have found. What is God's pleasure? Luke chapter 12 and verse 32. The Bible says, Fear not, little flock, for it is your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. God takes pleasure in giving joy and happiness and blessings and love to his creatures. This is what real love is all about. This is the principle of heaven. This is the principle of the family of heaven. And God's kingship and rulership is a joy to all the people who belong to that family. In the contest that is happening today in the world, Satan has set up a counterfeit system that has attacked and has marred the true principles of God's kingdom. The history of this great conflict between good and evil, from the time it first began in heaven to the final overthrow of the rebellion and the total eradication of sin, this entire history is actually a demonstration of the principles of God's unchanging love. The very fact that God is permitting this is for the purpose of saving many, as we have seen. You see, God wants us to understand what He has done for us in order to save us. He wants us to see His goodness and to be led to repentance. God also wants us to see the lies of Satan and what these lies really mean. What is really behind the mask that Satan is presenting as a better option? You see, many people today are asking the question of why do bad things happen in the world? Why do we see chaos and tragedy? Why do you see trouble and heartache on every side? And many times the answer to this question ultimately leads and finds the blame placed on God. But this is an important aspect to understand. We saw clearly that God's principle is a principle of love, and love only gives good and perfect gifts. The Bible said God only does wondrous things. You see, God wants us to see the principles of Satan's kingdom demonstrated. We need to be fully aware that the demonstration of these tragedies are actually the outworking of the principles of Satan's kingdom. God wants us to be fully informed as to the character of Satan and the nature of that kingdom. These are the two contending powers for supremacy in your life. You can only serve one, not two. You can only hold citizenship in one kingdom. There is no dual citizenship allowed in this battle. Which one will it be, God or Satan? And it's for this purpose God wants us to see clearly a demonstration of the principles of each kingdom. This has everything to do with understanding the role of the family on earth today. 
You see, this is a foundational aspect that will help us understand the attacks of Satan on the family and what principles he is using to tear down and break down the family. This is what started in heaven. And we are going to see what the foundational principles of the heavenly family are based upon. These two kingdoms want you to join them. And God wants you to be fully informed before you can join the right kingdom or the wrong kingdom. So which one will it be? This is why we see in action all around us examples and demonstrations of Satan's kingdom. It is found in the trouble and destruction, in the chaos and the war and the pain and the hurt and the turmoil and anguish and anger and heartache, in the pollution and corruption and greed, and the list could go on and on and on. We are all familiar with the demonstrations of these woeful tragedies. Friends, these things are not a demonstration of God's family kingdom. And yet how often God gets the blame. You see, God is allowing a situation to develop so that every person might understand clearly God's love for us. Satan has lied to us about God's love. The Bible tells us in 1 John chapter 4, verse 19, that we love him because he first loved us. God wants us to understand what he has done for us. He wants us to see his love and to choose him rather than Satan. In order for us to see his love, we must have a correct conception of his character. His revelation of love is designed to win the heart of man. It creates in us a response of love. How is God going to reveal his love to fallen mankind? There is one way, there is one person, who was most acquainted and intimately involved in the kingdom of heaven. He knew the principles of heaven and the operation of the principles of heaven. And he knew the nature of God and the character of God's love more and better than anyone else. This one being was one with God from the very beginning. Let's look at the beginning that is described in John chapter 1 verses 1 and 2, as we see how God was going to reveal that love, which is the actuating principle of heaven to us. John 1 verses 1 and 2, the Bible says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. Christ, the only begotten of God, as we know from verse 14 of the same chapter, was one with God from the beginning. He was one in nature and in character and in purpose. He is the only being who knows God better than anyone else. He said it so himself. He said, No man knoweth the Father but the Son, and he to whomsoever the Son shall reveal him. The purpose of Christ coming from heaven to earth was to reveal God's principles of love, not just to tell us about it, but also to demonstrate them. And he did that finally on the cross. You see, when God created the universe, He was not alone. He had His Son with Him. His Son, who equally possessed with the Father, the divine nature. We read about that in Proverbs chapter 8, verses 22 and 30. The Bible says, The Lord possessed me in the beginning of His way, before His works of old. I was set up from everlasting. When he appointed the foundations of the earth, when then I was by him as one brought up with him, and I was daily his delight, rejoicing always before him. 
Here we see the Son of God speaking through Sam, uh, Solomon, the wise man, and declaring the fact that he was with God from the very beginning, that he was with God when all things were created, that he also possesses with God the divine nature and is God by nature. This reveals that he is most acquainted with God's government and the operations of that government, particularly the fact that God's government is a unique type of government. It is different to all governments that we have here on earth because it is a family government, it's actually a family kingdom. It is not a government like we know in this world where the people are not related to the ruler, but it is a government where the family is the means of maintaining harmony. It was a family kingdom. And in this family kingdom, Christ held a unique and supreme position, as we shall see. Colossians chapter 1 verse 16 speaks to us about Christ and the fact that he is capable of creative ability. The Bible says, By him were all things created, whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers. All things were created by him and for him. You see, here we see that Christ is possessing the divine nature. He has the creative ability. He created the angels and the worlds and the systems and the galaxies. Everything that was ever made was created through Christ. He, alone with the Father, holds supremacy over all these created things. And the rulership and the sovereignty of God and His Son involves fullness of blessing to His creatures. The closeness of Christ to God and the fact that He is most acquainted with Him is brought out in other scriptures. Let's look at Hebrews chapter 1 and verse 3. The Bible there says, Who being the brightness of His glory and the express image of His person, and upholding all things by the word of His power. Christ holds supremacy over all. He is above all. He upholds all things. He is actually the full reflection and complete reflection of God. He is most acquainted with the principles of God's government and the principles of God's kingdom, the principles that make for a happy family. In Hebrews chapter 1, verse 5, just a few verses later, this is further brought out. For unto which of the angels said he at any time, Thou art my son, this day have I begotten thee, and again I will be to him a father, and he shall be to me a son. Why was Christ above all? Why was Christ in a position of supremacy above all things? This Bible verse answers it for us. Because He is the only begotten Son of God. His Sonship sets Him apart and above all other creatures. As the Son of God, He holds a most unique and exalted position in the heavenly courts. What does that make Christ really? Let's read on and see what that really means. So we can understand the position of the Son. And this will be the key to our understanding of how the kingdom of heaven operates. Hebrews 1 and verse 8, the Bible says, But unto the Son he saith, that's the Father, Thy throne, O God, is forever and ever. A scepter of righteousness is the scepter of thy kingdom. The Father tells us plainly that his Son is God. His Son possesses the divine nature. And the basis of him possessing the divine nature, the basis of him being God, is the fact that he is the Son. His Sonship is the basis of that. And this demonstrates to us 
ultimately and supremely how the heavenly kingdom is a family kingdom. At its head is the father, and the father has a son, and his son possesses, equally with the father, the divine nature. He is a son first, as the scripture says, unto the son he saith, thy throne, O God. That's what makes him a possessor of the divine nature. He rules with God, and this supremacy is due to the fact that he has that relationship with God, unlike any of the angels, as the scripture says. This places Christ in the same category as God. He is divine by virtue of his divine birth. The supremacy of the Son of God overall is demonstrated in the fact that he also shares the Father's throne. This is what holds the kingdom together. And this aspect is important to keep in mind. It might be basic for some, but we are emphasizing this because when we understand these principles, we will be better able to appreciate the counteracting principles of Satan's government. We will see that in order for Satan to establish his government, he began attacking the very foundational principles that hold everything together in the family kingdom of God. This is important to keep in mind. Satan is successful as much as we have misunderstandings and as much as we believe his lies regarding the kingdom of God. We need to remember that as we look at these principles, we are finding out that God runs a family in heaven. This family God wants, us to, wants to restore us to. And this family can be reflected in our families here on earth as we look at these principles. Notice how the supremacy of Christ as ruler with the Father is revealed in other parts of the scripture. In Psalm 96 and verse 6, the Bible says, Honor and majesty are before him. Strength and beauty are in his sanctuary. Christ is described as in the very sanctuary. He sits with God on his throne in the sanctuary in heaven, surrounded by countless angels. This is a most happy and harmonious place to be. It is called heaven. And in that place, the principles that govern heaven are important for us to comprehend and also to carry out. Notice how else the scripture brings this out in Psalm 89 and verse 14. Mercy and truth go before his face. This is reflected in the fact that Christ is the expressed image of the Father's person. Everything that the Father is in nature and character, Christ is the express image of. And Christ sits as a king above all these angels in the heavenly sanctuary. He completely reflects the Father's character of love. Mercy and truth go before his face. Being the only begotten son, he was the most intimately acquainted with God's nature and character and the foundational principles that maintained the happiness of all created beings. You see, the foundation of God's government and God's kingdom is revealed to us in the type of the sanctuary. If we look in the most holy place in the earthly sanctuary, we find that the mercy seat on the Ark of the Covenant, uh, Ark of the Covenant, which represented God's throne, was placed in a position just above the Ten Commandments, which were contained in the Ark. The law of God is the foundation of his government. Every government in this world even has a foundation based on law. And a government without law is no government but anarchy. 
The law of God's kingdom is the law of love. It's the expression of his character and nature. This law of love is portrayed clearly in that type of the sanctuary where God's presence was directly above the law. The law of God is an expression of God's character. It is the guarantee and the protector of the joy and happiness of all the members of the heavenly kingdom. The law of love being the foundation of the government ensured the happiness of all the intelligent beings because they would obey and harmonize their actions with the principles of righteousness revealed in this law. God's law is summarized well in the verse in Romans chapter 13, verses 8 to 10. Paul, speaking of God's law, gives us the direct distilling of that principle when he says the following. Owe no man anything but to love one another. For he that loveth another hath fulfilled the law. For this thou shalt not commit adultery, thou shalt not kill, thou shalt not steal, thou shalt not bear false witness, thou shalt not covet. And if there be any other commandment, it is briefly comprehended in this saying, namely, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. Love worketh no ill to his neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfilling of the law. This was what governed all the intelligences of heaven. God's law is defined clearly in the scriptures, as we shall see in a minute. But notice how love to each other, as Paul says, is based on understanding God's principle of love. We can only love each other as we love God, and we can only love God as we understand His love towards us. There is a cycle and a circle of things that affect each other when it comes to love. And Satan has been busy casting lies against God's nature and character, knowing that if we misunderstand His character and nature of love, if we fail to comprehend that, we will fail in actually loving each other. And only discord and sadness will rule. The definition of love and the expression of love is given to us in that wonderful chapter in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verses 4 and 5. The Bible says, Charity suffereth long and is kind. Charity envieth not. Charity vaunteth not itself. Is not puffed up. Doth not behave itself unseemly. Seeketh not her own, is not easily provoked, thinketh no evil. This is a description of how things run in the family kingdom of heaven, where love rules. This is what God wants to restore to us, and this is what God wants us to be restored to. And this begins here on earth, in our own families. We will see how, by following God's instruction, and God's designed roles and functions for us in the family, we will be able to maintain this wonderful existence. We will be able to be restored to this wonderful description that we read about where love rules, where the law of God becomes the law of our families. That's how it's described in Philippians chapter 2 and verse 3. Let nothing be done through strife or vainglory, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem other better than themselves. The law of heaven is revealed in this description, where everyone esteemed others better than themselves. 
This ensured the happiness and gladness of everyone because it was a reflection of God's love. The law of heaven can be described as the law of selflessness. Unselfishness. This was the principle of God's kingdom. This is how the family in heaven was happy. And it's the principle that Satan hates. The very existence of this principle, Satan actually denies and makes war against. Angels in heaven who were living by this principle of love were happy. There was no envy, no malice, no bitterness, no hatred of each other, no jealousy and competition. There was only happiness because self was not the key issue. They esteemed others better than themselves. God desires us to come to Him freely and to serve Him with freedom and with voluntary service as an understanding of His great expression of love. As we understand God's wonderful gifts, as we understand that He is only love and that He gives only good gifts, this will strike in our hearts a desire to return to Him in praise and gratitude and thankfulness, our love and our adoration and our praise. You see, God gives us these things not desiring any returns. He gives us these things and He hopes that we would realize that He is our benefactor and that we would seek to serve Him. This is one of the greatest principles of God's government. And it's this principle that has permitted things to happen the way they are in this world. This principle is the principle of freedom. God gave His creatures freedom because love and the nature of God's love meant that He would not force or exact or demand service from His creatures. That service would be given freely and voluntarily as they understood and recognized the wonderful character of God's love. This is revealed to us in the scriptures in Joshua chapter 24 and verse 15, where the Bible says, And if it seem evil unto you to serve the Lord, choose ye this day whom ye will serve, whether the gods which your fathers served that were on the other side of the flood, or the gods of the Amorites in whose land ye dwell. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Choose you this day. This is the question that God is asking each one. Which one will you choose? And God is allowing a demonstration of the principles of both kingdoms to reveal themselves so that we might make that choice. You see, God only desires from His creatures the service of love, the homage and love that springs from an intelligent appreciation of His character. He is not in enjoying or He doesn't take pleasure in forced allegiance and obedience. That's why he gives to everyone freedom of will, that we might choose to render to him voluntary service or that we might withhold it. There is no forced obedience in God's kingdom. And that's a principle for families today. You see, as we look at these principles of God's family, we need to remember that the earthly family is designed to reflect the heavenly family. There is no service that is to be based on fear in God's family, but love. The freedom of choice that Joshua spoke about is a freedom to render voluntary service. Notice how this is described in the words of the psalmist in Psalm 103, verse 20. The Bible says, Bless the Lord, ye his angels, that excel in strength, that do his commandments, hearkening unto the voice of his word.
You see, the service of the angels in hearkening to the voice and word of God was given voluntarily from a recognition of God's character of love. All the angelic beings were perfectly happy in God's kingdom. Their joy stemmed from following these principles of love. They delighted in doing God's will. All was peace and joy in the kingdom so long as God's law of love was obeyed by all. So long as the guardian of that happiness and harmony was recognized and obeyed. This helps us appreciate that the principles of Satan's kingdom are in exact opposition to these principles of heaven's kingdom. Jesus demonstrated to us that it is a delight to serve and follow God when he says in the scriptures, I delight to do thy will, O my God. Yea, thy law is within my heart. This was the condition of those who dwelt in the family kingdom of heaven. Happy were they, joyful and rejoicing always in the fullness of blessing that they received from God because of his character of love, which did not demand or force them to yield anything, but freely they gave their love, adoration, and praise. You see, friends, as we close, we need to remember that God has revealed to us the principles of his family in heaven so that we may be able to appreciate it and choose it above the kingdom of this world. That's the kingdom of Satan. As we study further and deeper into some of these principles and aspects, we will see the wonderful revelation of God as it reveals itself more and more and reveals to us his heart of love and his design and purpose for our families here on earth, so that one day we might be united with the heavenly family. If you were blessed by this message, remember to subscribe and share it with others. We're available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. Your prayers and support are appreciated. May God richly bless you through His Son, Jesus.